Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. This week, Turkey announced that its research ship, the Orotres, is going to make a return to the eastern Mediterranean to carry out exploratory research for natural gas and oil. Turkey didn't specify the exact location, but the Orotres was deployed in 2020 to conduct surveys in what Greece claims is its exclusive economic zone, leading to a summer of tensions. Greece and Cyprus are following developments closely, looking out for any moves that could cause tension in the region to spike even further. At the same time, Turkey has stepped up both its aggressive rhetoric and its illegal overflights in the Aegean in recent weeks, prompting concerns that Ankara is laying the groundwork for a potential crisis in the build-up to elections next year. Vasilis Nedos, Kathy Marini's diplomatic and defense editor, joins me with the latest analysis from Athens. Vasili, great to have you back on The Greek Current. Thanks for having me back. Vasili, when the Orochereis was deployed in the summer of 2020, tension spiked as the Greek and Turkish navies engaged in a standoff. Now Turkey's deploying it once again. Are we in for a repeat of 2020? Well, uh, at least for now, it seems that this plan is on hold. The area that has been designated for uh, research from Oruch race vessels and its auxiliary ships are uh, from the 25th of September, so uh, in a few days until uh, late March 2023 for six months. So at least for now, according at least to the time period that is given through this uh, navigational telex, at least for now, it seems that Turkey is being confined in their own continental shelf, their own territorial waters. But let's see how this works, because this was the case also in a lot of other cases in the recent past. And Turkey, in the end, ended up doing survey, doing research on a broader region. Simultaneously, we should say that very closely to where a route race will be doing research within the Turkish continental shelf, there are drillings from the drill ship. Abdul Kamid Khan, just north of Cyprus. So I guess we will have to wait and see. Now, what's important to realize is that Turkish petroleum company, the TPAO, has made a significant investment to boost the capabilities of Oruç Reis by allowing it to conduct research in a much bigger extent. The extent of research was two and a half kilometers before this modernization. And now it's more than four kilometers. So this means that Oruch race may cover the designated area much quicker than six months. While the worst case scenario that we saw in 2020 seems to have been avoided, what else are both Greece and Cyprus keeping an eye out for when it comes to Turkey's drilling and research activity in the East Med in the months ahead? Well, you know, the worst case scenario, as you said, has been avoided, at least for now. But of course, what Athens and Nicosia are estimating as the worst case scenario is something we already covered a few days ago, even before the announcement last Saturday in Katimerini, that there is that scenario of a route race returning in a part of the area that was the theater of tension for three months in the eastern Mediterranean, and that is in the area which lies south of Castellorizo and east of Rhodos in what we perceive as a potential Greek exclusive economic zone. So then we would have probably a repetition of 2020 also. Cypriots are bracing for the possibility of the drill ship Abdul Kamid Khan moving the south part of the islands within a declared Cypriot exclusive economic zone within Cypriot continental shell to conduct drillings even in parts of blocks that have been already been given to international consortia from the Cyprus Republic for drillings and for surveys, for research. So this, I guess, is the worst case scenario. While Athens is monitoring this developing situation in the eastern Mediterranean, in the Aegean, Turkey has stepped up its overflights above uninhabited and even inhabited islets in recent weeks, such as Kinaros and Candeliusa. Why is Turkey targeting these two islets? 
There are certain stuff that we should keep in mind. First of all is that through this practice, Ankara is again declaring its idea on the sovereignty of this island. So it's the gray zone theory, which according to Turkey, at least islands like those small islands, like the ones you just mentioned, are uh, perceived as of indeterminate sovereignty. Another reason is that Turks want to demonstrate the capabilities of the Bayraktar uh, UAVs. You know, that those UAVs can easily fly far away from their command stations in Turkish hinterland. Also, it is a very cheap way, if I may say, of keeping Hellenic Air Force flying, while Turkish UAVs are very, very, very economic. It's very cheap to fly a Turkish UAV, and on the contrary, it's much more expensive to send Greek F-16 to intercept the UAV. Now, there is also another reason that we should be keeping in mind that the Turks want to demonstrate that they can support operations of a possible capturing of an island. Also, in the past, we've seen exercises, military exercises, scenarios of capturing of islands. So Turks want to highlight that. Another reason is that with this practice, they want to show that the contested areas are within the grasp of the Turkish armed forces. So, you know, this mixture of political, geopolitical, operational messages are very well read from Athens and are categorized according to their severity. Turkish overflights have come under the radar of both the United States and the European Union, which see them as an unnecessary escalation. The EU's foreign policy chief, Joseph Borrell, even made this clear to Turkey's foreign minister this week. Is this a clear sign that Turkey's efforts to paint Greece as the one responsible for escalating tensions is falling flat on its face? That's a very interesting question, Kano. I think that the Europeans, the United States, State Department, all our major partners in the European Union, such as Germany, France, I think also even beyond the European Union and the Western structures, I think that everyone understands what Turkey is doing is legal. What Turkey is doing is just the provocation against the sovereignty of another nation. Now, if those public statements by EU officials or US officials against Turkey on the issue of overflights are being understood from Ankara with a slap in the face, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think that Turkey will continue in this practice regardless of what the Europeans and the Americans are saying. What about as it relates to Turkey's broader campaign of disinformation that we've discussed in the past, Vasily, where Turkey has been trying to twist the reality to show that Greece is the one that's responsible for tensions? Again, that's a very good question. We also saw a demonstration of this fake news campaign by the president of Turkey himself from the United Nations General Assembly. I think that even though, you know, some people are saying that it's not exactly the same, it reminds us a lot of the fake news and disinformation campaign playbook that was used by Russia in the previous years and that has only been dismantled uh, by facts during the war that is taking place in Ukraine. So I think that part of the lies that and the propaganda that Turkish uh, state is spreading through, of course, uh, the state mechanism, also through the media that it controls, through friendly journalists and scholars and the public speaking personnel all around the world. I think that some of these fake news are there and do have an effect. And it's absolutely certain that what President Erdogan did at the General Assembly just a couple of days ago, by using those photographs and those information of Greek Coast Guard sinking boats and deliberately killing kids and migrants, 
This is something that plays out the psyche and the mentality of the Westerners. These are very well-weighed movements. And I think that even though we very correctly categorize them as fake news and disinformation, I think that they do have an effect in part, if I may use that terminology, of the Western electorate. Vasily, how should we be reading into these developments, you know, from the Oroch race to the escalation of tensions in the Aegean, which come as Turkey's also upping its rhetoric against Greece. Are you worried that Ankara is laying the groundwork for a potential crisis in the region ahead of elections in both Turkey and Greece next year? I think that, you know, this is the million-dollar question. What does this mean that, you know, laying the groundwork for what? Building a certain narrative around what? So will that be an escalation that will lead to some kind of repetition of 2020, that is uh, the migration crisis in Ebros or an Oruç race crisis 2.0? Or will it be something even bigger? Will it be something even more serious that will probably lead to a conflict of a kind? This is a question that we cannot really answer with a yes or a no. But we definitely have to highlight, we definitely have to point out that this is a practice, this rhetoric, alongside, you know, all those overflights, all those things we're seeing in the Aegean. What we see the last few days is that there is an increase of migratory flows. And there are efforts to to pass the border in Ebro, so um, another migration crisis. So what we can definitely see that this will lead to somewhere. Of course, no one wants to think of the worst case scenario, which would be a potential conflict or a potential military crisis, if you prefer. But at this point, with Erdogan himself behaving the way he does in front of the representatives of the countries of the whole planet, I think that we should be ready for everything, of course, with diplomacy always being the first choice. Vasily, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. In other news, consumers who cut down their electricity consumption over the winter months will be rewarded with bigger power bill subsidies, Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis said on Tuesday. Since last year, Greece has tapped state funds to reduce power bills for households and businesses struggling to cope with the spike in prices caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Alongside subsidies, Greece has imposed a cap on payments to power producers to reflect their real production costs, effectively scrapping a surcharge on electricity bills. Meanwhile, Energy Minister Kostas Krekas said on Wednesday that Greece will pay out a further 1.1 billion euros in subsidies in October to shield households and businesses ahead of winter. Finally, Turkey must respect the property rights and freedoms of minority groups, the EU's Special Representative for Human Rights told the 77th United Nations General Assembly in New York on Wednesday, referring specifically to the country's Greek community. The EU deeply regrets past discriminatory policies implemented by Turkey, which resulted in the Greek minority currently being on the verge of extinction. Eamon Gilmore told the Assembly on the 30th anniversary of the adoption of the Declaration of the Rights of Persons Belonging to National or Ethnic, Religious, and Linguistic Minorities. In this context, the EU reiterates the call on Turkey to protect human rights, fundamental freedoms, and the rule of law, he added. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.